What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 44 of the My Parents Office podcast. We're only six away from the Big 50. Super excited about that. But today we have a state of the office. I'm here with my co-host and producer, Brett Castle. We've got Clemson track and field today to talk about. Blake Griffin signs with the Brooklyn Nets. And, of course, we're both huge wrestling fans. Not WWE. We hate WWE. I wouldn't say the hate. I hate WWE. You're meh on WWE. We have real wrestling. Uh, Big 10 uh, championships today. Big 12 championships today. So there's a lot to go over. Super fun- happy to jump into it. Brett, how are you? I'm good. I'm somehow going to start this with, like, pro wrestling news. I read something the other day where, like, you know how people, like, slap their legs? To make oh, wait, a- hang on. I'm not recording. I'm not recording. There you are. I was just joking. I didn't know if I could oh. get you with it. <laughs> you know how people, like, slap their legs to make it sound like they're hitting somebody? Yeah. I read this thing that people are now getting, like, like people are getting in trouble and have to, like, getting fines for doing that now. Really? Well, yeah. wrestling's is- fake. I mean, it's – I hate the WWE so much. It is kind of cool passing the headquarters every time I drive back from Jersey. It's in Stamford, right? Yeah. That is pretty cool. And I've known you for a little bit, Andrew. And come to find out about 30 minutes ago that you're an ACC track and field aficionado. So how yeah. was that? let's start off with that. So we were, me and my dad, we, after we watched the uh, Big 12s, after a terrible heavyweight match, we started flipping around because the All-Star game was on for the NBA, um, which is terrible. We'll get into that too. But um Yeah, we flip over to ACC track and field, and they've got that going. We watched the women's mile. Um, Two Florida State girls finished first. I thought that was pretty crazy. Literally at the same time, just like milliseconds apart. And then – what's up? Where was it? It's in Clemson. It's the ACC championships, uh, indoor track. And then the 60-meter, this guy, Fabian Hewitt, won the – men's 60 meter those are the only two events I watched um but he like got a perfect jump off the gun and then it's cool I didn't realize it because they're indoor and the track is smaller so it's 60 meters but the guys are running so fast that it's tough for them to stop the track goes like this at the end of it it like elevates up and there's padding on it so everybody that's running through they run up that hill and jump and hit the padding but, yeah, it was cool. But I didn't realize Clemson track and field is getting cut next season. Really? Um, yeah. So, they announced that they're like, yeah, Fabian Hewitt wins the 60-meter in the last season of Clemson track. So, I was like, damn, that's crazy that you don't expect a school like Clemson to cut indoor track uh, because they're a huge school with, like, big money. So, we were both watching the Big 12 finals. I was kind of salty after the finals because there was a Stanford basketball game after. They're not getting cut. Exactly. It's it's so hypocritical the sports that get cut like and I strongly doubt not trying to be dis- not trying to be disrespectful in any way, but I strongly doubt Stanford women's basketball is making the school much money. They're making I bet you Stanford women's basketball is over like probably I mean, not maybe over men's cuz Stanford's not bad, but like men's team isn't good. Guess what? They're not bad at wrestling either. I would no, actually they're good at, I mean, say they're pretty good. She, if Imagine if Shane Griffith takes top three, is able to find a way to take top three in his weight class at Nationals. 
Dude, just all American. Like, he can all American. That's good for the program. It's crazy. But and like we said before, that was like Eastern Michigan and ODU. Speaking of ODU, Big 12 semis yesterday, there was former ODU teammate versus former ODU teammate. Really? Well, like two what guys, schools? I don't remember. Um, it was like it was in the Concies. So I wasn't really paying much attention because it was going on at the same time as the um two semifinal matches. Yep. But, but the commentators were talking about that's sad. And like you guys are boys, and one of you might get to nationals, you're sending the other person back home. It's crazy to think about. It it sucks. It really does suck. But so I'll, let's talk. We Big 12 has finished up more recently, so we'll talk about those. Um Dayton Fix plowed through his bracket. Yeah, I because we were watching what? He's a hammer. He's, He's a hammer. Um Probably performance of the night if they do that. Maybe OW. Honestly, AJ Ferrari might have a reason to get OW as well because he beat number one and Dane Fix came into it being number one seed. AJ Ferrari beat the number one and the number two. Yeah, and he technically handed two or three. Two. Two. So he beat the number one handedly. He beat the number two pretty handedly, in my opinion. And he was he was cutting him to try to get bonus points to win the big 12 title. So he had the W pretty much locked up and he was still offensive. I loved watching him walk around the mat, pumping the crowd up, giving everybody the I love it. state finger guns. Like he is awesome. He's a guy that a lot of people I think are going to hate after nationals. Dude, I cannot wait for Oklahoma, Iowa next year. Big Warner versus AJ Ferrari. Dude, he is going to get, he's going to be, the kind of cheering that he's going to get at Oklahoma, he's going to get a 180 at Iowa. Dude. They're going to boo him. To, they're going to boo him worse than Mark Hall got booed last year. Yeah, and I think he's going to feed off that, though. He seems like a yeah. guy that the more you, like, you more you boo him, that's just more fuel for his fire, and he's just going to – he'll get a takedown on Warner probably on the edge of the mat. He's going to get up. He's going to get – Look right into the crowd, give you the finger guns or give you a silencer. He'll throw up the silencer on a, on a, a hostile crowd like Iowa. I'm really curious who he's going to get ranked um, or received at NCAAs because the only loss was Noah Adams, who at the time was number one. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, probably Noah Adams. Probably top Definitely top four, I would guess. He should be top four. Eric Schultz lost tonight. Um, Beard, I know we're not in Big Ten yet, but Beard actually qualified for NCAAs, which is awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, but rounding out Big 12s, I love watching Big 12s because you get a match where at 74 where you see Utah Valley University wrestling Northern Colorado. And the Utah Valley kid is going for his second Big 12 title. Like, that's just stuff that I think is awesome all around. That schools, you had kind of no clue probably existed. And they've got kids that could win a national title. It's going to definitely be a tough road for a guy. Uh, What's his name? Hang on. I'm just pulling it up. Like a – oh, Demetrius Romero. It'll be a tough road for him to go through – Starocky, uh, Kemmer, guys like that, Logan Massa. But, I mean, 
you never know. March is a crazy time to be a college athlete. I don't know if you're on the rankings right now, but also Taylor Lamont, who's at 125 for Utah Valley. That kid's a force too. He can he has a chance of being an All-American. Yeah, he's eight right now. Yep. So he could AA. Absolutely. He really he's really good at Greco. He's a former All-American. Oh, I was hoping that somebody was gonna get tossed in the uh what's it called? The Ferrari match. I was waiting for them because they were kind of they'd hang out in hooks, but like they'd go back down to their knees. I'm like, I want you guys to just stay on your feet and look to throw each other. That kid's only going to get better. He's a cadet bronze medalist. He's um, He just won juniors for um, UWW U.S. Nationals. Yeah. Or was the Open, I don't remember. One thing that kind of bothers me, um, I love Andrew Lirez. When you're over here earlier, we are talking about dark horses. Andrew Lirez is one of my dark horses for 149. I'm not even sure he placed highly at all. He, de- he definitely wasn't top four at um, – uh, Big 12, which is so weird because freestyle yeah. is a beast. He beat Joey McKenna. He beat mm-hmm. a bunch of studs. Um, and then he just can't figure it out in folk style, and I don't get it. Well, a big thing is definitely, I think, with freestyle, you're just an – you honestly are just looking to be an offensive weapon. You don't have to worry about wrestling on top because if you're good enough on your feet – you can just take a guy down, wait the five seconds, get a stalemate, and boom, you're back to your feet. You don't have to worry about trying to get, like, trying to roll through on guys and get two. The only time he'd have to be on bottom is when somebody else picks top in folk style. They're like neutral and freestyle, neutral and folk style. Getting two or getting your offensive points, it is different. But at the same time, yeah, it's a scrambling. Yeah, but at the same, well, there's a little less scrambling and. Freestyle, arguably. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's less scr- – so maybe it's because of that. Like, there's less scrambling in freestyle. He's good in freestyle. Um, so you kind of have to, wor- like, think about that. Now you get to folk style. Guys are scrambling all over the place. They're scrambling like crazy. But he's even good at freestyle. It's weird because most of his offensive points are from takedowns. Like, it would be – I would understand if you were, like, really good at top and freestyle. And once you got that down, he can, like – like if he had a really good gut like Dayton or a good um, leg lace like James Green. Yeah. But most of his offensive points were takedowns, but he just can't figure that out in free in folk. It's crazy. Now, transition over to Big Tens. We watched those today. We had some very anticlimactic matches. So I kind of want to start with those. Um, talking about Ryan Deacon versus Caleb Young at 57 was super anticlimactic just because Deacon's an absolute hammer. Like, he he beat Caleb Young up. And Caleb Young's got to answer some questions – has some questions to answer probably from his uh, coach and father-in-law, uh, Coach Tom Brands. But, uh, like, Young's a good fundamental wrestler, like you were saying before, and he just got his shit kicked in by Deacon. The match was weird. Like, I'm not going to call it anticlimactic because I didn't – I didn't think it was going to be competitive at all, but I thought Deacon was able to get a lot more points than he actually did. Somebody with four minutes of riding time and you know, you're so much better than the other guy and you're really not actively trying to score on top. Cut the kid, cut Caleb young, get a few more takedowns and get some more points for your team. 
he broke Caleb Young's will, I think. Like, just riding him. getting If you get rode out for four minutes, four minutes is all, an eternity if you're the guy on bottom. Think about it like this. If he up? rode him for two minutes, when you're riding someone for a long time and the dude on bottom or whoever is constantly trying to get out, you're wearing that person out. If you yeah. ride him for a little bit, soften him up, and then let him up, he would be able to get takedowns much easier opposed to just, like, not riding him at all. So I understand trying to be a hammer on top, but then try to get some more points, be a little more offensive. Like, I would – maybe if that was, like, round one, round two, I understand, conserve your energy for the finals, semifinals. That was your match. Get some more points for your team and then make a statement. Yeah, no, I, I feel you on that. Um, another match I was super disappointed in was heavyweight. It, I wouldn't even say anticlimactic. I would say not at all. Shock factor because the last time Paris and Gable wrestled, it was eight to six. It was a close match. And then tonight, Gable came out. It didn't even look like he was trying. And he just dismantled Mason Paris. Made Mason Paris look like a JV wrestler just by the way his offensive moves. Like he's so quick for a guy that's like 275. His no man that that size should be as athletic as him. And he watching tonight, just I came to the realization that he is going to win a national title by just walking through the heavyweight bracket. There's no current college heavyweight that makes better adjustments than Gable Stevenson. Stevenson, not Stevenson. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, you saw it on his second takedown. Paris shoots in and tries to get out. Gable literally, as Paris is slipping out from his double, Gable gets right back onto his ankle and takes him down. His the thing is, is insane for heavyweight. Gable, we're, we're hyping up Gable like he's an athletic heavyweight. So is Paris. I know. I know. <laughs> That's the, the crazy part is Paris is a really good athlete and he's really strong. And that's why I'm more shocked is because I know, you know, the athletic style of Paris and for him to get exposed the way he did tonight just proves how great Gable is. So one reason why I came into this, we came into this, this match thinking, or I was thinking that'd be a much closer match. Paris kind of does a lot better. Paris does very well with other heavyweights, sometimes just because of how athletic he is. Yeah. He's much faster. He's stronger. But that's why I kind of thought he would have a little bit of a challenge with um, Kirkfleet from Penn State. He demolished Kirkfleet. He demolished him, I believe, 11-3. to Yeah. And Kirkfleet, I would think, matches up with the same amount of wrestling ability. He's a lot smaller. He's giving up a good amount of size. But – I thought he'd be able to out-wrestle – I was clearly wrong. I thought he'd be able to out-wrestle Paris, but Paris just put a number on him. And I thought Kirkfleet and Gable would be pretty close, and I was probably wrong about that. Um, it all depends how they match up. Like, Kirkfleet could give Gable a bit of a run for his money. You honestly never know how they match up. Maybe Kirkfleet – maybe Gable just can't figure out Penn State wrestlers, his current only loss being Anthony Kassar. I know. I want to see that match. Harris, I think, is a lot like a Ferrari in the sense that he will continue to get better. Like, Ferrari's going to continue to get better. Paris 
since being in college has gotten a lot better. And I, I, don't, I, I don't think compare he's done the two right better. now. What? I can't, com- I can't compare the two because Paris's freshman year was tough. Like, he did not do very well. He got yeah. – I think he pinned and got pinned by Stencil from um, Central Michigan. Um, Ferrari, tons of – I'm not comparing their talent level. That's I'm yeah, just comparing the way that I think their careers could go progression-wise. I think you're going to see both of these guys – continue to get better. I don't think they're ever going to plateau at yeah, like a junior year. I'd put Ferrari and Storaki in the same level right now, both coming into the um, their first college wrestling season with a lot of, excuse me, with a lot of accolades, and I believe their ceiling is very high for their future. Yeah. Um, 141, we saw Jaden Ironman, who won OW, Outstanding Wrestler of the Big Ten Tournament, be – Nick Lee, six to five in an absolutely crazy match. He, Nick Lee gets the first takedown. And then Nick Lee, after Ironman gets an escape, gets back in on a shot. And Ironman just shows off why he's so good a wrestler because he's so funky. And he hit that little like inside trip kind of move on Nick Lee. It just, he's going to be a force in the national tournament just because He's so unconventional when he wrestles. So depending on how the bracket will be seeded at NCAAs, I kind of have Seabass winning right now. Okay. Um, I don't really have much to back that up. Him and Nick Lee definitely could have gone either way. That was an extremely close match that ended in overtime. Um, and I, I Ironman's funk could carry him. Like he just his weird style of wrestling could carry him to the national champ, like to a national title. And I'd love to see him do that. Seabass the scrambling is also very good though. Yeah. And not dude, there's only there's nobody else in college that's had two wins over Spencer Lee. Seabass is like a force to be reckoned with. Well Seabass is fat now, so he went from twenty five to forty one. Yeah, but maybe he has Iowa's number. That would be pretty crazy. He beats Lee and Ironman. I mean Iowa's just hot right now. There's – uh, I don't think him and DeSanto met last year, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. But Iowa – like, there's not a team hotter than Iowa right now. I, like, even their kids that didn't win, you can count on them all – I think All-American. All-American – being an All-American. Yeah, something like that. Like, a Cassiope, I think, will, all, will AA. DeSanto, I think, will AA. Um – you don't, do you not think that? No, you put a little more trust in big cast in DeSanto. DeSanto's absolutely going to AA. He's going to take top four. Well, I just think heavyweight's a little bit weaker than 33. DeSanto and RBY was not a blowout. By no, him. no, it wasn't at all. Not at all. And I think I just, RBY is a finalist contender. I just think 33 is a lot more ominous. It's a very – you don't know what you're really going to get with a lot of the guys because – I don't know. It just seems like a tougher weight class where the lighter weights, it feels like anybody could beat anybody on any given day. Um, heavyweight feels less like that. Um, I kind of see the opposite for heavyweight besides like the, well, Gable is not going to get beat at this point. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think Gable's going to get beat. I don't like, I don't think anyone's going to beat Paris. That's not Gable or yeah, that's, it's about it. And then you could kind of stencil all American. 
I think Big Cass will All-American. Um, I'm not looking at the brackets right now, but no, – neither am I. I'm just, I'm just Kirk, thinking. Like, I think Kirk Lee will All-American if he can get in there. <laughs> he hasn't really – he hasn't really wrestled at all before. He's had one duel. Um, my, dark horse, Maryland. my dark horse at heavyweight. I've told you about him before. My boy, Jordan Wood. Um, I think like an All-American. I think, he, I think he takes eighth as an All-American. I mean, still an All-American. No, I would – he has the uh, potential for anything after three, in my opinion. I think he could beat Cassiopeia as well. Who, Wood? Yeah. He has uh, – I think he's giving up a little bit of size, but it's not a blowout. Yeah, I mean, like, but he also isn't a gr- – He's not a sh- like he's not a shooter either though like he's not gonna be a super offensive guy. Jordan, see, Jordan Wood and I are we we're very we're very alike as wrestlers. We're uh we're just gonna try to win one nothing. Um, that's pretty much how how it goes. But yeah. I think Jordan Wood's a shooter. He shoots. Who? Jordan Wood. Not really. He did solid in freestyle too this past few months. Yeah. Um. I mean. Heavy, I just I just think heavyweight's more clear cut than 33. Like I, I keep saying, like DeSanto is going to all American, and I think Big Castle all American. But I just yeah. 33 is more once you get out of that top four, is very difficult of a weight class to navigate. Yeah. Um 125, um, Lee, and then two through eight. I don't even know. Um, fix, uh wrong weight class. Jesus, he's 33. I keep messing that up. It honestly probably would have made more sense if he went 125 because he's gonna make he's gonna have to make 125 about two weeks later. Yeah, I, I would have loved to see them wrestle each other. I would have loved to see Suriano in there. It, what's up with him? He, did he take an Olympic? He took an Olympic and he's he just wrestled this weekend in uh, Mateo Pelicone. Took sober oh. match against the Kazakhstan um, 57 kg guy. Yeah, um, I mean, it's. 25, I don't think anybody's going to touch Spencer Lee. Yeah, 49. Uh, we talked a little about 33 and 41 right now. Uh, 49, Sasso beat Ridge Lovett. Um, a little, Lovett's, Lovett's a baby. He is a literal, like, baby face and just, like, he looks small at his weight class. I don't know. He he doesn't give me – I don't know. He may AA. I don't know. I just Is he a slider? Vibes. Is he a slider? Yeah, he's a slider. He's a burger. No, because he's small. He's the opposite. No, he's, burger. he's just a burger overall. He's a burger. No, because he would, man, he'd kill a burger. Um, nah, he's good. Um, came into the tournament eight and zero. I don't really understand how Nebraska, Nebraska, right? Yeah. I don't understand how Nebraska schedule worked this year because I don't understand how he came into Big Ten to eight and zero and what being the seventh seed. That kind it was of- weird. It was really weird. But that, like none of the none of the Big Ten guys had like crazy amounts of matches. A lot of them were just under ten. I think Spencer Lee had like three. Yeah, I think Marinelli only had Marinelli was four and zero. Yeah. Um, I know he missed at least one duel, one or two, because he had um. What is it called when you're around COVID? Oh, he was a close contact. Yeah. Um, uh, Honestly, Iowa got hit pretty bad with that. Uh, Brands got it. Caleb Young got it. Um, Kemmer at one point had contact. Yeah. We saw 
At 65, the Bull won uh, his third. It was weird seeing him not wrestle against Vincenzo Joseph at a uh, <laughs> in a big a Big Ten Finals match, but he wrestled. Who did he wrestle? Was it? He wrestled Ethan Smith. Yes, Ethan Smith from Ohio State. Um, I mean, three to two match wasn't super entertaining. Um, cause and, and Marinelli even said it in his post-match interview. He was like, I kind of just went on cruise control. Like I, I went defensive and he's like, I know I can't do that come March, uh, mid-March when we're wrestling in nationals, because that's not a way I'm going to win a national title. So he realizes it, but I wish we had just seen him try to go after, go for a few more takedowns. He's not a major kind of guy. Like, he normally kind of keeps matches pretty low scoring. If you want to talk about um, after-match interviews, Michael Kemmer, um, they were like, uh, good job. But that was a big match. Good job. But he's like, yeah, that was just another match. But we have another tournament. We have nationals. We got to show up. Like, he was – I'm glad he was taking it one match at a time. But – He's looking in the looking at the big picture, and he wants to win a national title for his team. Yeah, the the Gable one was awesome because the dude, the reporter that we don't like, I, I don't know his name. Um, I he was annoying me. Uh, it also didn't help that there was like the delay, like the second delay where you could see you noticed it was a little it was, weird. It was so weird. commercials too. Yeah, and I he asked Gable, he's like, "So, what are your thoughts on like the rivalry with Mason Paris?" And before he can even get the question out, he's like. This isn't a rivalry. I'm two and over. He goes, yeah, he's like, he can, uh, I think he said, uh, this isn't a rivalry. I'm two and oh against him, but I'll see him. I'll see him in a few weeks. I'll see him in a few weeks. Yeah. That was a bad question. It was a weird, it was like, what is he supposed to say? Like Gable's beat up. He's beat him twice. And tonight he demolished him and was, was he supposed to say? Like, I respect him. Like, no, I twice already. Yeah, no, he should have asked him something like um, talk about his last – like what he did to get a bigger gap in score, like what he did to improve from his last match with him. That that was, and then the, the report – another the – sideline reporters are brain-dead dummies, the majority of them. Like the questions they ask, especially like the wrestling ones, he's like, what's your message to all heavyweights out there? Like what is, it, what is Gable supposed to say? Gable's like, I'm coming for you guys. Like try – like – Pretty much, I'll be there in a few weeks. That was about it. Like, what is Gable supposed to say? Do you want him to come out and go on an absolute tirade and yell about heavyweights? Like, I would love to see that, but we all know that's not going to happen. He wanted a pro wrestling promo from the future WWE champion, Gable Stevenson. I wish they just – like, I think a guy like a Bo Nickel would have been – because he's a brain – he's brain dead while he's trying to announce. Um, I, he would be a better guy for, I think, a post-match interview. Chenzo always had the best like post match interview answers. Like, and- I'd love to see a Chenzo as like that sideline reporter with the microphone talking to the wrestler. They should have. Like, Chenzo was like, "What were you thinking about in this moment?" Chenzo's like, "Winning." Chenzo, like Chenzo, has a personality. He does podcasts. Like, he's overall like he he would be a solid sideline reporter for ESPN to do all of these interviews where a guy is panting after winning one of the biggest matches of their lives um and they've got the microphone and camera right in their face so but yeah uh, uh, seven 
Um, we both predicted Miles and me and Wang. Eric Schultz is a very competitor. Um, 97, like we were talking about, I have no idea how that's going to get seated. Be weird. Uh, 84. We, <laughs> we both wrote down our predictions. Pretty sure you thought Aaron Brooks was going to win, but you wanted to throw in a little bit of a wild card there with uh, – remember what you put? Um, who I don't even know who he wrestled. I, oh, Vens. Yeah, Taylor Vens. Yeah, I, I put, picked Vens to win in overtime. I don't know why I picked overtime. I don't know why I picked Vens. I don't even know who Vens was, so I shouldn't. It was just a very dumb good. Play. Like I told you, it was Aaron Brooks's only loss in college, which you knew, obviously. I, yeah, of course, I, of course I knew that. Duh. And I, I mean, it was a year ago, but I still knew it. Duh. But no, that was a dumb pick by me. That was an awful pick. Good God, that was bad. Um, that wraps it up. Yeah. So before we get to that, we've got big news in the NBA. I know this isn't Brett's realm. Actually, Brett, check well, out. Brett, Brett broke the news for me. Um, all six-time All-Star forward uh, Blake Griffin is signing with the Brooklyn Nets for the remainder of the season after his contract buyout with the Pistons. Um, and this just makes Brooklyn, I on another level than they already were. I mean, you had. Harden and Durant, who I, th- I believe are top 10 scorers of all time on the same team. Uh, Kyrie's a great point guard. He's not a great facilitator with those guys, but we'll see how it all shakes up. And then Blake Griffin's just an explosive forward. Brett, what do you, what do you got to say? Yeah, no. How often do teams have a midseason pickup? It's very rare to get a pickup of a guy like this, a guy yeah. as good as Blake Griffin. Isn't that kind of – isn't that kind of a bad look on yourself, not finishing with the team that you started with for that season? It is, but he's like, I don't, he's been wanting out of Detroit. Like, I don't know. I think it's been a long time coming for him to leave Detroit. It was just at a very odd time for his contract to be bought out. Yeah, that's, I actually have a lot of questions. How does that even work? <laughs> it didn't expire. They just pretty much, I think they just paid out his salary um, or they came to like an agreement on it. And it made him a free agent immediately. And any team could pick him up. And they signed him to like a half year contract or whatever. That's ridiculous. Um, I mean, that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah, however many years from now, he, he wouldn't be living, leaving from the middle of their season. Uh, uh, it'll be weird. At the same time, if where was he before? I know this. I'm asking you. He was with the Clippers uh, originally and then got traded to Detroit. Like, he was at the Clippers, and if he clearly wasn't happy, he's not going to be much of a factor on their team as much as he would be being happy, most likely. Yeah. I mean, also, you have to think about this. I I don't think a lot of people consider this. He went from living in L.A. to living in Detroit. Like, that stinks. Um, Literally. Literally. I feel bad like I when Matt Stafford for the Rams or Matt Stafford for the Lions, he got traded from the Lion Detroit Lions to the LA Rams. To the Rams, right? Yeah, in exchange for Jared Goff, another quarterback who's been in LA his whole career. Um and like how do you just go from living in LA to living in Detroit? Like that's a huge lifestyle change for you. Like I know these guys are multimillionaires and probably won't be living in Detroit or maybe in like a nicer area, but that's a huge culture shock for guys. I feel like, like a huge Eminem's deal. neighbor. What? Eminem's neighbor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
Oh, Eminem's gonna get canceled. We were talking about that a little bit earlier. I I like how um when I was scrolling through Instagram, I like how it was um titled as Gen Z is trying to cancel Eminem. It, Eminem's uncancelable. Like, yes, he's dropped very bad, very like he's dropped slurs towards the the LGBTQ community guys, uh, stuff like that. That's really bad. In Eminem is actually very weird to me because he has beefs where I feel like he's punching down on individuals. Like he went at uh try or uh the the puppet dog, um. What? Triumph the puppet dog or whatever. He's gone at like Backstreet Boys. What's the puppet dog? Hang on. Triumph. Is it Triumph the puppet dog? <laughs> what does that mean? Oh no, Triumph the insult comedy dog. It's, oh, that is either. Hold on. It's like it's a puppet like rapper. Um, but Eminem like went at Triumph for like no reason. Um, so very weird beef for Eminem to pick up. Um, and same with like Backstreet Boys and Machine Gun. I mean, he killed Machine Gun Kelly. He literally murdered Machine Gun Kelly. But yeah, Eminem's post actual like post recovery has had a very odd career. Very, very, very strange by uh by Marshall Mathers. But, um, no, I don't know. I think he's. I don't think his. Um, I don't think he changed much. I think he always just had like the "I don't give a fuck" attitude, and that just changed. That perception of that attitude is just going to change with the times. I mean, that's a good point. Like, he, you'll never see an, another guy like an Eminem because of the way our gener, like the generations are growing up, and the way that cancel culture is affecting people. Like, there will literally never be another Eminem. Yeah, pretty crazy to think about. What would be the next? What would be similar? You can't even have anything similar because if someone, I think we kind of had this conversation like a few months ago. Um, Eminem can kind of do what he wants right now because he's been doing it since he started, opposed to if someone was doing what he was doing now, um, it would just be canceled automatically because they wouldn't even be able to get their feet off the ground. Yeah, it would be, it would be like, a good look for like a new rapper, but for him, it like somehow still works. In a non-violent way, but kind of like the, I don't give a shit attitude. I feel like Entourage is like the TV show version of Eminem. Well, Entourage, people have tried to cancel it. And like what uh, we had blind Mike on the show uh, a couple weeks ago. He talked about it because he had Doug Allen on his podcast. Doug Allen's a guy that's kind of put the middle finger to people that have tried to cancel him because he's like, and I don't blame him, but like he would probably find more work if he just came out and did an apology about like, oh, Entourage, like, I'm sorry, like I made this pretty much, which is so unfortunate. Why? Why would he do that? I'm saying like if he did that, he'd probably find more work, but like he doesn't his need- work is because it was his show and i feel like if he made a spinoff hbo would pick it up automatically oh i know i don't think they would I-, I think they would if they if if you want to do a spinoff with jeremy piven i i think hbo would be yes automatically they can't he would definitely have to decrease the amount of he has zero ill intention about any groups of people 
The only the only reason why his writing is the way it is is because that's literally how people talk in that industry. Like, yeah, it, and it's they make it seem like it's a crazy thing that these like r- like people that are trying to cancel the show. That well, it, he's not he's not racist. I'm no, but they, they 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 make they're trying to cancel because they make it seem like it's for frat guy douchebags. But they're the show like people try to think that the show is crazy. But what's so crazy about these rich and famous handsome guys having sex one? With it's about one rich celebrity with all his buddies living in a house. Pretty yeah, much, I, I know. Most people talking shit about it are from the outside looking in, never seeing the show once in their life. They watch one scene and see a few naked girls. Oh my god! It's about fucking. Oh my god! I'm done. <laughs> Sorry. This is, the most, is this this is the most that's come out of you in a while? Jesus, dude. People like to the same thing with Eminem. People who talk shit about Eminem and a bunch of whole other things are people who like. It's like um trying to take a snippet out of Joe Rogan making a joke and saying oh like th- that happened with him with the cyborg Chris Cyborg stuff um which one was that he made a joke about Chris Cyborg the fighter yeah uh, or no a comedian on his podcast Tony Hinchcliffe yes made a joke saying like Cyborg's the only person the UFC that cuts her dick off to cut weight yeah, you know who Tony Hinchcliffe is? A comedian. You know what his intention with that comment was? To make people laugh. To be raunchy. Wow. People laugh. What a terrible person with a horrible perception. Oh, my God. Cancel that man. And, like, it, it's – yeah, no, people will pull one clip from a guy like a Rogan or, like, a Portnoy, stuff like that, and try to just immediately be, like, racist, misogynist, transphobic, homophobic. That's what yeah. And just scream those four sayings into the sky until something happens where this person either a loses sponsors or B does not work anymore. Cause we live in a snippet community where I can say there's probably something in this podcast that sounds something like a little bit out of line. Take those 10 seconds, put it somewhere else away from this whole thing. They can take the, they can take me repeating Tony Hinchcliffe's cyborg. Yes, exactly. And flip that into like us being transphobic about that. Me taking a joke from a person who is paid to make jokes, like it's it's uh, absolutely absurd. Yeah. So we're gonna sign off after that. Um, this is episode forty-four. Um, this week we have two interviews. Uh, one with Stafford High School football coach Brian Mazone. Uh, coach Mazone joined the show to talk about radio and coaching, and then. The second interview will be this Friday. It's with uh, motivational speaker Alan Lazaros. Um, that's I'm definitely looking forward to that one. We haven't actually taped that interview yet. That one will be done Wednesday. So definitely looking forward to that. Uh, stay tuned, guys. Thanks. Things will, things will be on time this week. <laughs>